You are listening to The North Podcast, a ministry of Mount Perrin North in Marietta, Georgia. Dear God, most days it doesn't feel real, like it's all a dream. I'll never forget the look on Joseph's face when I told him he was so disappointed. Why wouldn't he be? He should have left me. I know that's what everyone thinks. But he didn't. He showed me mercy, and that's something I'll never be able to repay. Thank you, God, for his faith. God, if I'm honest, sometimes I wonder if it's still true. Like, maybe I misheard you. Maybe I'm not the right girl. Maybe I can't do this. I know the angel told me not to be afraid, but I am. I'm terrified. How am I supposed to raise a king? I don't know if I have what it takes to be the mother of our savior. Most days, it's all I can do to keep from crying. Why me? What did I do to deserve this? There are brief moments of hope where my mind drifts and I dream about what he'll look like, how his voice will sound, what color his eyes will be. I can feel him like tiny butterflies in my stomach. He's moving more, which is surreal. Elizabeth says he's strong. She speaks with such peace and comfort. I wish I felt that way. So sure that everything was gonna work out. I hear the whispers behind my back. I see their stares of disapproval. I know they judge me. I know they think I'm a liar, but I know what I saw. I know what the angel told me. And if you say that my son will save our people, that he, that Jesus will reign forever, then I believe you. And I will follow you, no matter where you lead. I love you, God. And I meant what I said. Let your will be done in me. Your servant, Mary.
when we read the biblical account of the story of the angel appearing to Mary, many times we read it at such a level that it is poetic in nature, and yet we don't see the practical side of things. What is ultimately happening is that God is calling Mary to a moment, a holy moment of surrender. Not about her will, her agenda, her plans, her goals, her desires. It's about surrendering to what God wants to do in her and through her. The problem is we don't like the word surrender very much. We associate it with losers, right? Because when we think about surrender, we think about people who are giving up. We think of places like Yorktown, Appomattox Courthouse, Tokyo Bay. All places where armies surrendered and wars ended. But surrender is not just a giving up. It is actually a giving in. What God is asking of Mary is not to give up on things. He's asking her to give in to his perfect will. We don't like surrender in terms. We don't like that because we always want to be associated with the winning side, don't we? But we tend to define what we think is the winning side. Jesus Christ himself, the Bible tells us, surrendered his own life to the cross, gave himself up for you and for me so that we might have salvation. We don't like surrender when we think about it. But it is the one thing that is required from all of us if we're going to fulfill the call of God on our lives. In Luke chapter 1, verses 26 through 38, our text describes what we just heard about. It says, in the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy... God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a village in Galilee, to a virgin named Mary. She was engaged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of King David. Gabriel appeared to her and said, Greetings, favored woman. The Lord is with you. Confused and disturbed, Mary tried to think think what the angel could mean. Don't be afraid, Mary, the angel told her, for you have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you will name him Jesus. He will be very great and will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his ancestor David, and he will reign over Israel forever. His kingdom will never end. And Mary asked the angel, But how can this be? I'm a virgin. And the angel replied, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. And so the baby to be born will be holy, and he will be called the Son of God. What is more, your cousin Elizabeth has become pregnant in her old age. People used to say that she was barren, but she has conceived a son and is now in her sixth month. For the word of God will never fail. Your translation may say, for with God, nothing is impossible. Mary responded, I am the Lord's servant. May everything you have said about me come true. And then the angel left her. I want to talk to you this moment about a holy moment when it's time to surrender. Let's pray. Lord, thank you so much for the privilege that we have to be able to be in this place. Thank you for the opportunity to study your word, but more importantly, to allow your word to study us. I pray that you would anoint the words that you've given me to say as they go forth and on our ears to hear them. 
our hearts to receive them so that you may accomplish your perfect will. And Lord, by the end of this service, may you, may you deal with us individually and corporately about what it is in our lives that you want for us to surrender to you so that you can accomplish more in us and through us. And by faith, we'll give you the praise for it in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. One of the things about God's call on your life. Now, sometimes we think about God's call on our lives and we read texts like this or we read texts about Simon Peter or in the Old Testament, we'll read texts about Isaiah. And what we see in some of these things is we see the call of God on people's lives and we think that, yeah, God calls them, but God really just leaves me alone. When actuality, there is a calling on each one of our lives. God has a plan and a purpose that he wants to accomplish in you and through you that is different than other people. As a matter of fact, the plan he wants to do in your life, the purpose he wants to accomplish in your life is different than the person sitting next to you. It's different than the person sitting across the room from you. And what God wants to do in you and through you, he cannot accomplish in them and through them because he has a plan for their life as well. It is individualized and yet corporate. It is purposed for you and yet used corporately in the kingdom of God. Now, why that's important is this. You have to understand that God calls you into that purpose. He also calls you, as Pastor Jason read, calls you out of darkness into his light. He calls you out of the way that you used to live into the place where he's calling you to live right now, a place of salvation, of hope, of righteousness and justice and peace. But when God calls you and God calls me, there's a couple of things I want you to see. The first is this. God's call requires complete surrender in your life. Complete and total surrender. Now, if that makes you sort of bristle, I'm sorry. But God's call on your life requires complete surrender. Emphasis on the word complete. There's not a reserving or a holding back of anything. It requires a complete surrender of your life. This isn't easy necessarily. And sometimes you'll struggle. And sometimes what I love about this morning, about uh, the dramatic presentation is it identifies some things that we tend to skip over, which is we tend to read scripture in a poetic narrative. We just think that, that someone hears these, never felt any emotions, never struggled with anything, when in fact the Bible actually tells us that Mary struggled with some of this. As a matter of fact, it tells us that Mary felt confused and disturbed when the angel came to her and said, blessed are you, highly favored. And then this is the Lord's favor is with you. The Bible says in verse 29, confused and disturbed, Mary tried to think what the angel could mean. What in the world is the Lord talking about to me right now? Why does he think this about me? And why is he demanding this of me? One of the lines that I love so much in that narrative that we heard was, what did I do to deserve this? Because it's a double-edged sword. It means, why am I so blessed? What did I do to deserve this? But it also means I'm struggling because I know what's going to be required of me. What did I do to deserve this? I know what it's going to demand of my life as well. She was confused. She was disturbed. Verse 34 tells us that she felt incapable and rightly so. Because Mary asked the angel after he says, you're going to give birth to a son. She says, how can this happen? I'm a virgin. This is impossible at this moment in time. She's confused. 
She's disturbed. She feels incapable, which ought to make every person in the room feel really good about yourself right now. Because just the capacity to live righteous and holy, we're incapable of in and of ourselves. It requires the saving work of Jesus Christ and the empowerment of the Holy Spirit in order to do those things. It's God in us, working through us, but us yielding ourselves in order to do that. As a matter of fact, if you're going to live a Spirit-filled life, it's going to require a complete surrender. You have to empty yourself of you in order to be filled with God. A complete surrender. This is the issue, though. Most people want to hang on to a little portion of their lives. And they wonder why it's such a struggle for God to accomplish in them and through them what they believe he's called them to do. When God calls Mary, there is no way she can be halfway in her commitment. I mean, there's no way to be partially pregnant. God is saying, I'm going to put the Son of God in you, and you're going to be his mother. He didn't say, I'm going to ask you for nine months to be a surrogate mom. You're going to deliver, and you can walk away. This is, not, this is not time stamped with something. It's saying, I'm asking you to give me all of your life so that I can accomplish in you something that I want to accomplish in you and through you. No one else can do that. God's requiring her not just to be a vessel of delivery. God is asking her to give herself for the rest of her life so that God can accomplish a purpose in her life. That is the call and the demand of God on every one of our lives as well. It's not a time stamp thing. It's not a partial commitment. It is a complete surrender of God. The reason to, to uh, surrender of our lives to God. The reason Jesus came to this earth was to provide salvation. He gave his life for us so that we could have salvation. And salvation from our sins and a relationship with God. Salvation didn't cost us anything as a death sacrifice. But the Bible tells us it will cost us everything as a living sacrifice. We didn't give our lives in death as a sacrifice. But the Bible tells us we do have to give our lives as a living sacrifice to the Lord. Jesus encountered a young man one time. And the young man came to him and he said, teacher. He said, good teacher. And Jesus said, why do you call me good? There's no one good but God. He said, what must I do to inherit eternal life? The Bible defines him as a rich young ruler. And Jesus said, well, here's what you ought to do. And Jesus went to the Old Testament and started repeating some of the commandments. And as he repeated the commandments, the young man said, I've done that. I've done that. I've kept that. I've done, a, I've done all these things for all of my life. And then the Bible says, Jesus, knowing his heart, then spoke to the very core of the matter of the thing that was holding him back. <laughs> he said, you, you have to sell all of your possessions, give them to the poor, then come follow me. Now, many people read this and they go, oh, money's the bad thing. No. Money was the thing that was holding him back. Money was the one thing that kept him from completely devoting his life to Jesus Christ. This is what happens. Jesus, knowing his heart, pointed out for him Jesus, knowing our heart through the power of the Holy Spirit, will point areas out in our lives that we need to continually surrender to him and completely surrender to him. The things that are holding us back. And the thing that is holding you back, maybe, is not the thing that's holding you back, and it's not the thing that's holding you back, because Jesus knows each of our hearts. 
and it requires a complete surrender. And the Bible says that this rich young ruler went away saddened because he couldn't give up that one thing. You will never find ultimate peace and hope and joy until you give up that one thing that is holding you back. And some of you are hearing you saying, what's that one thing? I don't know what the one thing is for you, but God does. Jesus' lordship cannot be conditional based on my circumstances. I don't follow him and his lordship based on if everything's going good in my life. Jesus didn't come to save fair-weather Christians. He came to give his life as a sacrifice. But that requires a complete and total surrender to his lordship in our lives. The Bible tells us that life is not always going to be easy. Some of you are going, I came to hear a nice Christmas message this morning. But I'm going to be honest with you. The Bible never tells us life is going to be easy. As a matter of fact, sometimes when the call is greater, the path is more difficult. Abraham, the father of many nations, the Bible tells us that he has a promise that God gives him. It's going to give him a son. He and Sarah are going to have a son and is going to be through that son. The nations are going to be blessed. He gave him that promise. And for 25 years, it took him to wait on that promise to actually come. That's not an easy path. That's a long time to wait on the Lord. The Bible tells us that David, who was a man after God's own heart, one of the greatest kings they've ever known, that the Messiah, Jesus, would come from the line and the lineage of David. The Bible tells us that he was constantly battling his enemies, people he thought were his friends, and his own family. That's not an easy path. The Bible tells us that there's a woman named Esther in the Old Testament that is in a pagan nation but God elevates her to the status of queen. And instead of allowing her just to sit in that position and enjoy life, God calls her to take a chance with her own life to save her people. The Bible tells us that, he, that someone, her uncle charges her and says, listen to me, you can sit on the sidelines if you want to. God's going to save his people, but perhaps God called you for such a time as this. And the Bible says she fasted and prayed for three days and then approaches the king and took her life into her own hands. That's not an easy path. That's not an easy decision. But it requires a complete surrender to the lordship of God. Jesus told him he would be his ultimate sacrifice for his disciples. But then he also in the same breath said, but each of you has to deny yourself Take up your own cross and follow me. You know what he's saying? He says, I'm going to bear your cross as far as salvation goes, but you're going to need to take up that cross as a living sacrifice and follow me. Salvation is the free gift of God, but it will cost you your life. Not in death, but in obedience. To sacrifice your own wants, your own desires, your own agenda, and allow God to do in you and through you what only he can do. God's not satisfied with just a piece of your life. 
He's either Lord of all of your life or he's not Lord at all in your life. And that's uncomfortable. The problem with that is if I tell God what he can do and can't do in my life, I'm relegating him to listen to me instead of me listening to him. I'm literally trying to elevate myself above the lordship of God in my own life. And here's what I believe. I believe it this week. I believe it this morning that the Holy Spirit is speaking to some of us in this room, if not all of us. Some of us he's been speaking to for quite some time and you've been avoiding it and putting it off. And some of us he is speaking to you right here, right now, pointing out the areas in your life that you have held on to, that you've said, God, you can have all of this part of my life, but you can't have this part of my life. I want to own this. I want to control this. I want to be in charge of this. He's pointing out those areas, places that are keeping you from experiencing the fullness of God and his purpose and his plan and his presence in your life. Maybe it's your career. Maybe it's your family. Maybe it's your possessions. Maybe it's your future. Maybe it's an addiction or a habit or unforgiveness or fear. But God is pointing those things out to you saying, these are the things that you need to surrender. Like the rich young ruler, he is looking, knowing your heart and knowing my heart, challenging us. Will you give this over to me so that I can do in you all that I plan to do? God's call on our lives whether it is a call of God, I don't mean vocationally, but a call to do something or the call out of darkness into his marvelous light requires complete surrender on our parts. The second thing in this story is this, is that God will give you enough so that you can believe. He'll give you enough so that you can believe. Now, God's not necessarily going to answer all of your questions, but he's going to give you enough to believe, because this is not a walk of facts. It's a walk of faith. Enough to believe. Here's what he does. First of all, he gives her and he gives us, he gives a promise. The first thing he does is give Mary a promise. In verse 31 through 33, he says, you will conceive and give birth to a son and you will name him Jesus. And he will be very great and will be called the son of the most high. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his ancestor David and he will reign over Israel forever and his kingdom will never end. He says, here's what I am going to do in your life. Some of you, God may have already spoken to what he wants to do in your life. Some of you may be waiting on that. Some of you may have received part of it and you're waiting on clarity in that. God will give you a promise in your life. And you have to choose whether or not you hold on to that promise. You have to choose whether or not you receive that promise in your life. But even when you have questions, just like she did, she said, how can this be? I'm a virgin. How is this going to happen? You may question those things in your life. God, I hear the promise, but you know where I am right now. You know I am incapable right here, right now. I don't know how in the world you'll ever accomplish those things in my life. And for some of you, maybe it is about a career. Maybe it is about family. Lord, I don't know how you're going to establish a family in my life. I don't know how you're going to reconcile a family in my life. I don't know. I can see my kids, and they're going off in the wrong direction. I don't know how this is, but you've promised me that these kids are going to serve you all the days of our lives, uh, days of their lives. And I don't know how all of this is going to be. You've promised it, and I can't see see it happening right now. He gives you a promise first, and then secondly, he gives you provision. He lets you know, I will take care of this. If I promised it, I'll take care of it. What he tells her is this. The angel replied, the Holy Spirit will come upon you, 
and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. And so the baby that will be born will be holy and will be called the Son of God. He says, you're not going to have to worry about how it's going to happen. God's going to do it. And he says, God's going to do it this way because what is in you is going to be holy. Because God himself, the Holy Spirit, is going to overshadow her and going to cause the baby to be birthed through her. God will accomplish things in miraculous ways. But the world will misunderstand it. So we read scripture and we think, this is such a beautiful story. I mean, the Lord appears to Mary. He says all of these wonderful things. You're going to be blessed and highly favored. Can I just tell you for the next few years, she doesn't feel blessed and highly favored. What is in her is miraculous. We know that from Scripture. But what everyone else will see around, they won't see miraculous. They'll see it as scandalous. She will be misunderstood. She will be criticized. And she has to hold on to the promise that even though God is providing, other people may misunderstand. But if God gives a promise... He gives provision. And it's not always in the way that you want. How many of you have ever told God how he could accomplish his purpose in your life? How many of you have ever got a promise? You go, oh, that's wonderful. Let me give you 10 steps to get there, Lord. 10 easy steps, right? Because that's what we prefer. The path of least resistance, the easiest way to get there. Eventually, Mary will become highly esteemed among all people. She'll be highly esteemed when Jesus rises from the dead. But that will be 33 years later. Until then, she will have to live with the constant stares, whispers, and secrets that people are talking about her, all the while knowing that what is in her is holy, but she trusts God. It's not easy, but she trusts him anyway. Third thing is this. God gives her proof. Notice what he says. The angel says, what's more, your relative Elizabeth has become pregnant in her old age. People used to say she was barren, but she's conceived a son and is now in her sixth month. Two things to notice is that he says, here's proof that you can count on. Your own cousin is now pregnant. She's past childbearing years. Now, that's one thing. If her cousin had children and then past childbearing years and all of a sudden becomes pregnant, God says this. But when he says this, she was once known as barren. She had been labeled in her life. Labeled in a derogatory way that she was not able to have children. So this is not just in the later stages of her life. This is nothing has ever happened, and God has miraculously brought this through. So he's saying, I'm telling you what's going to happen in you. And she says, how can this happen? He says, let me tell you some proof here. Here's what God's going to do, but let me give you some proof. Some proof is this. What people thought was impossible with Elizabeth, I have already accomplished. And what you think is impossible in you, I have already accomplished. The same God that can open a womb 
can also overshadow one, he says. This is the way God operates in our lives. He gives us proof, enough proof to have faith. He gives us his word, but his word doesn't explain everything in your life. It speaks to the different areas of your life, but it's not going to answer every little question that you have. God didn't write this to help you win at biblical trivial pursuit. He wrote it so you can have faith and believe. This is the way God operates in experiences too. The experiences of our lives. When God gives you a promise that's great and you're waiting on something that's great, what he's going to do is before the great miracle ever happens, he's going to send little small miracles along your way to build your faith. Enough where you can say, I still believe. I'm still holding on. I'm not here to tell you that it's going to take you 25 years like it took Abraham. But I'm telling you, however long it takes, God's going to send little miracles along the way, little proofs, so that your faith can stay strong. But it's your faith. You have to believe. God will give you enough proof. The proof God gives Mary for this moment is also for the future. Because the Bible tells us that as Elizabeth is given a child in her old age, that God removes the disgrace that has been associated that people have labeled her with and now replaces it with grace. What Mary will see is, is that what people think is disgraceful will one day be known as grace-filled because of what Christ has done. When God calls us, he demands complete surrender. Complete surrender. The third thing I want you to see is this, is that your response can change your life. Mary responds almost by simply saying this, I surrender. I surrender. I give over myself, my thoughts, my plans, my agendas to you, Lord. In verse 38, it says, she responded by saying, I am the Lord's servant. May everything you have said about me come true. And then the angel left her. I've never, no, this passage has never jumped off the page to me, the latter part of it, until this week. She responds, may everything you've said, may that happen to me. And after the response, it says, and then the angel left her. It's the reality. There are holy moments where you encounter the presence of God and you receive a promise, a challenge. But eventually, you have to walk by faith. Eventually, you have to put one foot in front of the other, remembering that moment and counting on it by faith. 
it's often said, and we, we do it in such a trivial way, we forget something. Like that people, God's people, move from mountaintop to mountaintop, right? Do you know how you get from one mountain to the next mountain? You gotta go through a valley. But the same way that the angel said to Mary, he said, the Lord is with you. And the word with there, there are several different words that are translated with in the Greek. One means in close proximity. Another means in companionship. And then another means we're connected. We're tied at the hip. That's what that word means. The Lord is with you. He's just not an idea or concept that he wants you to just kind of identify with. He's not just someone who's just in close proximity to you. He's not someone who's just a friend or a guide, and he's all those things to you. No, he is someone who is with you, interconnected with you. That's why Jesus said, I am the vine and you are the branches. I want you grafted into me so that you're with me every moment. When you completely surrender to God, it's you saying, I surrender my plans, my hopes, my dreams, my agenda, and I give them to you. But also, I stay closely connected with you so that I continue to hear your voice, continue to receive your power, continue to see your direction and continue to walk by faith. What Mary has to do at that moment is determine will I give up all the things that I had planned for my life? After the first service, as my good friend Hal Young mentioned to me that I thought was so poignant I actually walked away and said, I got to chew on that for a minute. And he said, surrender is when you have to give up all of your rights. You give up your right to say you owe me, God. You give up your right to all your plans and your dreams. You say they belong to you. If you call me to this, I'll follow you. If you call me to this, you'll provide. If you call me to this, you'll guide. I give up my rights to know everything. And instead, I trust you and surrender. And my question to you today is this. What is the Holy Spirit speaking to you right now? What part of your life is he saying, I need you to give that up and surrender to me so that I can complete the work that I have begun in you? You should have received one of these when you came in. I hope you did. If you will, would you take those, please? If you did not, raise your hand really high and one of our folks will get this to you. Just leave them up really high just so they can get that to you.
Just leave them up just for a moment. We'll get those to you. We'll take the time. Right over here. Come take this one. On one side, it says, a time where I had to surrender something to God. This is a testimony. There's been a challenge in your life where God has challenged you to surrender something to him. And God has brought you through. And that, what I want you to do is just write that time down. Write that moment down. It's a holy moment in your life because it's a testimony. But afterwards, I want you to turn that card over. I don't want you to put your names on it. I want you to turn that card over to the blank side. And I want you to write down, what is God speaking to you right now that you need to surrender? One has been your testimony of what has happened. The other is, what's the challenge and the prayer that God has given you right now to surrender to him? As you take a moment and write those, I want you to contemplate that. And then when you finish those, I'd like for you to do an active part of faith today. Bring those cards and set them right here on the front of the stage. Just bring them down. You can go back to your seats. And then we're going to worship with a song that just simply says, I surrender all. Take a moment. Write both of those down. What is the one time that God has asked you to surrender something? And what's he calling you to surrender right here, right now? And in an act of surrender, bring that to the Lord and give it to him this morning.
we stand together? Let me sing this hymn together. All to Jesus I surrender. Let's sing. And all to Jesus I surrender all to I would be remiss if I didn't recognize the fact that one of the ultimate acts of surrender that some of you may need to make today is to surrender your heart to the Lordship of Christ. I'm going to ask you to bow your heads and close your eyes. If you're in this place today and you know when you came in here things weren't right between you and the Lord, you don't have to leave here that way. If that's you, I just want you to simply praise a prayer that's something like this. Lord Jesus, I thank you that you were willing to be the sacrifice for my sins. Lord, forgive me for the way that I have lived and the sins of my life. And today I yield to your Lordship. What you say matters. What you say is the ultimate authority in my life through the Word, the Bible, and through your Holy Spirit. And Lord, as I yield my life to you today, I recognize I will never be the same. I'm going to ask everyone in the room just to pray this prayer profession with me. Say, Jesus, I give you my life. One more time. Jesus, I give you my life. Now, with your head still bowed, eyes still closed, no one looking around except the ministry team and me. If that's you, you know when you came in here today, things weren't right between you and the Lord, but you made a decision to follow him for the first time or the first time in a long time. I want to pray for you this week. Not here to embarrass you. But it is important that you confess that and that someone begins to pray for you. If that's you, though, with no one else looking around, if that's you, would you say, pray for me this week, Look, Pastor, I made that decision to follow him today. You just raise your hand really high and leave it up just for a moment, please. God bless you. God bless you. Amen. Not alone. God bless you. God bless you. Yeah. Amen. Just leave them up just a moment, please. 
Thank you. Thank you. All right, you can put them down. Father, we thank you now for changed lives. We thank you for hope that has been restored and renewed. We thank you that our old lives were a part of our past, and now we are raised to new life through Christ Jesus, our Lord. I pray now, God, that you would just give us a sense of grace and peace for those that have yielded their hearts to you today. I pray that in the place of sin and shame, O Lord, I pray that joy would abound right now in their lives. God, I also pray for those that made decisions that you challenged that we need to surrender to you. Lord, help us to take active steps in surrendering those things to you so that you can be Lord of all of our lives. Thank you, Lord, that your word is filled with truth. Thank you that it's not just a time to feel good about the season, but it's a time that we surrender to you so that you complete your work in us. Thank you today for all that you've done through Jesus Christ our Lord. Thank you today for what you do on a continual basis through the power of the Holy Spirit, changing us and molding us and making us into the people you've called us to be. And thank you for the promise that you've given to us. That this life is not all there is and that Jesus is coming again soon. And we thank you for that and give you praise for that. In Christ's holy name, amen. And amen. Can you celebrate with me today? 11 people gave their hearts to Christ in this place. Amen. 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 If that's you, you made a decision today or in the last few weeks, we'd love to help you get started on that path. Um, uh, some of our grow team will be right down front. Um, give us two minutes of your time. Um, come down, talk to them. We'd love to get that um, some information to you. Maybe one of our ministry team members um, that helped me and assist me in this will maybe come up to you and ask if we can help in any way. Or you can go to our connection point right out in the atrium. We'd love to help talk to you there as, as well. If you'd like more information about getting plugged in here at Mount Perrin North, discovering your spiritual gifts, your passions, all of those things, there's a card in front of you in the seat back that just says connection, uh, a connect card. If you'll take that, fill that out, take it to Connection Point in the atrium. We'd love to talk with you and help you get plugged in here at North as well. I hope you guys have a fabulous, fabulous week. Can't wait to see you next Sunday as well in worship. And allow me the privilege to bless you according to Numbers chapter 6 today. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. And the Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace in Jesus' name. Let's give our response from Psalm 19. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. God bless you, folks. Have a great day. Thanks for listening to today's message. If you would like to learn more about North, be sure to check out our website at mountparanorth.com. If you have any questions, you can email us at info at or give us a call at 770-578-578. 9081. And if you're in the Marietta, Georgia area, we'd love to have you join us for worship next Sunday at 945 or 1115 a.m. Again, thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week.